This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 584, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. episode 584 my name is connor kilpatrick i'm here with josh flanagan hello connor kilpatrick and ron richards i'm so glad that the deprogramming worked connor you're back to your old self (laughs) (laughs) yeah but this this right sequence of flashing lights can fuck him up (laughs) (laughs) don't tell anybody short short fast fast strobe 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 that twin peaks episode really wonder on me. We are iFanboy. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book of that stack, and we call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We read some other comics, talk about those books, do the patron pick, give out some superpowers, do some listener mail if we've got time. Basically try to have fun for one hour. Just hold on for one hour and have fun, and then you can go back to being miserable. That's all we ask for. 
hold on. <laughs> Here's your spoiler warning. This is a review show. There'll be spoilers. So if you're worried about that exercise and caution, Ron, this week had the pick of the week. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, it's okay, actually. <laughs> uh, and pick of the week this week was X-Men Blue number three, uh, despite what our script says. I was I, really confused. I yeah, like, no, I know. I'm sorry. Listen, listen. I got a lot of plates I'm spinning. Um, Dude, I'm not the one. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but X-Men Blue number three, written by Cullen Bunn, with art by Jorge Molina and Ray Anthony Height. Uh, with colors by Matt Mila and letters by Joe Caramagna. And for the past month, I've been very, very... I've been happily, mostly happy with the X-Men Resurrection relaunch, right? Um, right. X-Men Gold has had its issues. Again, we're not going to mention that. Um, <laughs> so what more can we add to that? Um, <laughs> and some of the other books have been interesting. I think Weapon X, despite Greg Land, I think Greg Pak's doing a great job on that. That also came out this week. Um, you know, I enjoyed Jean Grey last week, you know, all this sort of stuff. But to me, the real gem has been X-Men Blue, number one. Uh, I'm sorry, X-Men Blue. And with issue number three... <laughs> Listen, it's just it's hard. Uh, with issue number three, it just really. <laughs> I'm so glad this is amusing you. I almost spit too. I'd oh, taken great. a drink, and then I, I, I got back late last night. I got back late, and I'm tired. So <laughs> we are. You know what that means. We are not aging well. That's what it means. No. Uh, but uh, no, but so X Men Blue number three, X Men Blue continues to be the one that's hitting my that's hitting my X Men that's pushing my buttons that's that's, that's joy button scratching the X Men itch and um it's a combination of I really like what Jorge Molina is doing on this issue and I don't quite know or understand where the division between Jorge Molina and this Ray Anthony uh, Height is because um, they're both credited on the art and I didn't really see like a dramatic style change maybe towards the end. Um, but if they did, they masked that pretty well. Um, but from a story-wise, Cullen Bunn, just like, great job in distilling down what makes the X-Men really interesting and giving and basically giving us that. And so this book is following the time-displaced young X-Men, uh, you know, the, the classic lineup of Cyclops, Jean Grey, Angel, Iceman, and Beast. Um, and they are working with Magneto. And they're working to fulfill Xavier's dream, and they've got a they've got a nice uh, blackbird, and they're going to help new mutants. And they've discovered a new mutant in Spain. And right as they discover her, they're attacked by Sentinels. And this is you know like we've seen a lot of iterations of Sentinel Sentinels over the year, but this is like drawing on the classic Sentinel design of the '60s, which I think is one of the best big robot designs of all comics of all time. Um, yep. Hard to hard to argue that, right? No, yeah, it's yeah, obviously good big robot. And but then what 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 he did with that was able to introduce an interesting twist that we haven't seen before. In that bringing back a character from the past, uh, not a character I particularly liked in the late '90s. There was a villain named uh, Bastion uh, who then merged with Nimrod and Master Mold, uh, and. Uh, he's been gone for a while, but the great thing about the X-Men is that there's this legacy, there's this history, and there's this stuff that's been going on for ages. And this is one of the first books to kind of acknowledge that in a while. Um, and Bastion has realized that mutants are facing extinction uh, due to the Terrigen, all the stupid inhuman stuff, and also at the fact now that they're the lowest number of mutants of all time. And his robot programming is to eradicate all mutants, but if mutants are eradicated, he can't fulfill his program. So he's adjusted his program and built new Sentinels to help protect mutants so that their population can grow so that he can kill them. Makes sense. It's, it's ironclad logic. It's perfect X-Men logic, if you ask me. <laughs> 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 and I mean, and at the end of the day, X Men fighting Sentinels is always fun and always interesting. And these these new Sentinels we see are each one is attuned to each member of this team's powers. And there's a subtle art uh, nod in that, and that they each have a different color. You know, like the the one that's uh, the one that's tuned towards Cyclops is colored red and and has and can stop his optic blasts. And there's there's one that's colored blue that can stop uh, Iceman. And there's one that's colored green for Jean Grey. That's a clever take on it. Um, all in all, it just it just it's x-men comics as they're meant to be uh and as i was reading my books this week i was like man this i love this this is great have we mentioned in the past the costumes because these are new yeah these are and these are mckelvey designs yeah they're much better than the last one still 
it's still never a good idea to flash back to the original blue and gold suits because you're like, okay, well, those are perfect. Yeah, like that one page, um, that one page of yeah. the flashback of them fighting the original Sentinels in the classic blue and gold. It's like, oh man, those are that's a great design. So simple. Um, I don't like that when Iceman ices up, he's still got his clothes on. Yeah. Okay. You want you want uh, just the, the Iceman body? Yeah, but that's yeah. just a minor thing. I, I, and, I, I uh, also don't like uh, Angel's demon wings or cosmic. Well, that was my demon other wings. my other yeah. point was I don't know what they have against him just having wings, but they always seem to have a re- find a reason to give him some weirdo wings, and now he's got these demonic fire wings. Because here's just... the, here's the thing: is that like just boring? Like oh, you can fly, you know? Like that's the that's why like I love the the classic um, the original original X Men number one cover by by Stan and Jack. Uh, they're all fighting, bazooka. yeah. They're all fighting Magneto and Angels in the air holding a bazooka. But even the odds, we yeah, can do. Flying isn't but enough. <laughs> you're, you're right, though. This is fun. Um, the art's great, and uh, you've mentioned before they've actually drawn like their kids. Yeah, and actually, I, I, now I, that I look at it more closely, the latter pages do. Yeah, you can see the art. Yeah, I can yeah. see. I do see the page that it changes, but even then, it's in the same. I, I, it's not. It's not compl- stylistically similar. Yeah, yeah, stylistically similar. It's in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. I also appreciate that these artists actually re- realize that Scott's nickname is Slim. Yes. And they draw him slimmer. Um, not as sli- Not always, but the last couple of pages, he's pretty slim. I mean, he's, yeah. he's. They called him Slim. He's a tall, skinny dude. Well, that, that's. Uh, I mean, I've talked about this numerous times, but that's. Well, I think one of the reasons why this book is doing so well and why I like. I don't know if it's doing well. Why it's doing so well for me. Um, and because I think what Molina and Haidt are doing here is these are kids. These are teenagers. They need to look like teenagers. Even, you know, Beast is a little more beefy, you know, but that's part of his mutation, right? You know, there's he's a co- working on it. Ron. He's cutting out carbs. Right, yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of pages where they've got, you know, like Iceman looks the be- Iceman looks like a kid, right? And Gene, yeah. too. You know, Cyclops, Angel, Beast get a little bit of peck, you know, kind of action going on, a little bit of muscles and that sort of thing. But that could just be the clinginess of the costumes. But, uh, no, but they, but they, put j- that on the cover. They get a little bit of peck action. <laughs> but, 20 pages of peck action. But you they do move units with that, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but even with the muscles, they do, they look like, they look younger, they look kid, like kids. They, you get a sense of, uh, not as much uh, confidence, you know, in the in the way the story is being told, and it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just it's it's wor- it's working. When the X Men work, it like when things click into place, I can tell. And let me tell you, this is working. It, it's almost um, indescribable. It's just, it's a feeling you get. Yeah. It's an X Men feeling that yeah. it hasn't been around for a while. Right. And and what it, and what I liked was like the first two issues gave us glimpses of what's going on with Magneto and what his like kind of big play is. No mention of Magneto in this issue. You know, extend that mystery. Give us a new villain that is a new take on an existing character that we understand. Bring back a classic um, aspect of the X Men with Sentinels. Like these, it's like a checklist. Like I could have written this and sent it to Marvel and be like, "This is what you need to do to make the X Men work." Um, and I'm just glad that they are following my imaginary checklist that I never sent them. You should do it every month. Yeah. <laughs> Hey guys, Ron again. I don't know if you got my last uh, letter, but uh, that's a uh, it's like Connor. That's like that's like when I used to call the mess general manager, leaving voicemails. Can I get a year on that? Two thousand two, two thousand, two thousand one, like around there. Were you twenty five? Younger, younger, twenty three. Okay, I, I I'm pretty sure I left the voicemails. <laughs> Said hey. This is Ron, longtime fan, first time caller. <laughs> well, I mean, like the whole joke would be funnier, except for the fact that you know there are people who do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> and it's without irony, and it's like, like you know, there's guys like who have been writing to Marvel regularly for years. Yeah. And they're like, Stu wrote another letter, put it in the pile. Yeah. In the Ron pile. In the Ron pile. So mm-hmm. X Men Blue is good. Yeah. Good. It was it was yeah it was great I mean and and I I like the direction that they're taking the resurrection in I like that they're you know I like that this is you know like I, I like this focus on this team it's not too many characters it's not trying to do too much you know and I with you know even though it is feel if it, now it feels like a DC book and that I'm reading it every week uh, but for <laughs> now it's good and and so that's that's great so yeah. it's not hard just put the X Men the classic X Men against against some classic villains and then. Right, you and know, and just, just like tell a story. remember what makes them good, you know. 
You know, like remember what makes the X Men work and and what and what hasn't, and look and for what hasn't, look at the past year with all this inhuman crap. You know, like you know, bring it down to their core and that that they're that they're ostracized, they're on the run, that that there are new mutants popping up that they need to help, and uh, yeah, so. And that's what that's what Colin Bunn is doing, and so I'm I'm very very happy to see that this is a X Men book I can hang my hat on. Uh, Good. Yeah, but uh, but that said, I thought I thought it was a a fun strong week for books in the middle of story arcs. <laughs> <laughs> and and that said, I I loved Avengers number seven. Am I the only one reading Avengers? Or you are? Okay. Yes. Well, well, here's what you missed out. You missed out on Phil Noto. I can mm-hmm. see that. And you missed out on fantastic use of new Doctor Doom as Iron Man. Mm. Uh, mm. Basically, basically in this issue, what happens is that Iron Man shows uh, Iron Man Doctor Doom shows up uh, looking for the Avengers' help because there appears to be a problem at the Sue Storm summer camp for girls, and uh, he needs he needs a hand. And of course, he's hanging out there. <laughs> Of course he is, and uh, and so he goes to the Avengers, and of course the Avengers immediately go to attack him. But then the young ant ant girl, uh, the young wasp, I'm sorry, uh, being the genius that she is, she's enamored with him, and they instead of fighting, she goes, "Do you want to get some tea?" And so they go, they cut into Avengers Tower, and uh, Victor Von Doom sitting there with one uh, Iron Man gloved. Uh, pinky sticking out drinking tea and explains to them what's going on and as opposed to fighting they actually talk and the rest of the team is skeptical but then they team up with them and they go to the camp and they solve the demonic kind of problem and it was just a lovely it was just a great adventure story i thought and i think that this do dr doom incarnation honestly is really working for me well doom's a fun character doom's a doom's a fun character if you can write doom well it's 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 hard to beat doom i think it it's interesting in the way that, like, sometimes they take some of these older villains and they, they put that uh, spin on them where, you know, they're not really evil. They're just, you know, egomaniacal or something like that. They did that with Luther for a while when he was president. And you never really got the sense, like, is he actually a bad guy or is he just, you know, and, and I think that they're after, um, what was the last event? Battle World you know, they can sort of change him around and move things. And like, it's a believable way of doing it because he was never, I don't know. He does. I don't think he worked best when he was evil. Well, that, and that, that, that goes, that goes, that ties into the analysis of evil and that like, is somebody sure. tr- truly like, is Magneto truly evil because he's fighting for what he believes to be right. You I know? think, I Depends think on how uh, he's doing the fighting. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I think that in this kind of fiction, it's it's more interesting at this point to just stick them in because they've done so such a job of making some characters you know flesh them out in various ways over the years that you can kind of it doesn't make sense for them to just be evil for the sake of it you know there are people who are crazy there's your jokers like he's never going to be you know safe to be around or anything but then there's others and you just can't quite tell where they're coming from and it's fun that they you know they they slide that lever depending on what they need so who's here's a good question in the world of comics who is evil Red Skull. <laughs> Red Skull. Okay. All right. Connor, I mean, Connor, who he, is evil? Almost all the supervillains are. It's just, it's just, I mean, that's what's interesting is that even if they think what they, they're doing is right, if their means are bad, they're evil. You is know, Captain Magneto Col- is evil. Is Captain Cold evil? He's a, he's a thief. I don't he's know if he's a, evil. You know what? He, like, he's, not, he's, like he's, a, he's a thief, basically, right? That's your, his your thing. Big, your big deal, guys. Your dark sides. Right. Lex he's Luthor? Is Lex Luthor evil? Lex, is- Lex Luthor. He's evil. He goes back and forth. Right. Because his thing isn't, like, he doesn't have, like, a, he wasn't trying to get anybody else. He's just, Superman just really bugs him because he wants to be better than him. And so that made him do things. I don't know. It's it's not like he wants to, it's not like he's a masochist. You know, like, there's that kind of, like, a dark side is he wants to see the world under his boot. He's an evil person. Norman Osborn. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Not Joker. Crazy. Not evil. Evil. He's he's evil incarnate in the form of crazy. I think. Yeah, it's very complicated. I mean, it is. That's yeah. what makes it interesting. Yeah. Scott Summers. Good. Ooh. You go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so who's e- let's get, let's let's try to remember some of these as we as if somebody who's evil. Thanos. Evil. evil or is he yeah, just so big that like we don't matter to him, so it doesn't count? Like no, we are like ants. No, he's evil. He wants to kill everyone to please death. Right. He is evil. 
What All about right. here's a question for you. What about Christopher Lee? The um, actor? Yes. <laughs> as himself or Saruman or perhaps Dooku? <laughs> um what about uh what I'm pretty about, sure he's evil. What about Sinestro? Yeah, evil. Evil? Yeah. What about Electro? On a, on a scale of one <laughs> of Electro to Magneto, where does Sinestro, this scale only has characters that end in O, go? There's definitely a, a sort of there's definitely a, a working class, low grade criminal supervillain. Yeah, your Electros, your Captain, your Snarts, your, uh, you know, a lot of Spider-Man villains. Fall I know. Yep. Yeah. Wrecking Crew. Crusher Creel. Yeah, those yeah. guys. They're well, just trying to just trying to pay the bill, Sandman. Just, but they're also to like tough guys, and they don't want it. Like you know, they got they, they're not too smart, so they beat up things that are in their way. Yep. All right, well, this is an interesting diversion. It's, it's an interesting diversion. Well, anyway, go read Avengers number seven. It's got some great Phil Noto art. So there you go. Green Valley number eight. We're closing in on the finale. Green Valley number nine is the finale, and I really liked this issue because a the guy who was a coward. Had been lying the whole time. Got to actually be the hero. That was kill, nice. Kill his dragons and actually become the dragon slayer. What is his name? Something uh, the Bert, dragon slayer. Bert. Or Bert. Bert. Bertwald is Bertold? the main Bertold? guy. Yeah. Ernie. Ernie. Oscar. Um, it's Ernie just, Oscar. You have to kind of put aside the idea that these, you know, old timey knights understand the concept of time travel. But uh, yes. putting that aside, I like the. So now we've got a conflict between them at the end. You know, one of them re- sees the value of using the time travel to make his life better, and the other ones see that as a problem. I like that. You know, as we get to the end, it's fracturing the group, not not just fighting the villain, but also the idea of do we use this technology to make our lives better or not? Um, it's this book. This book has gone in very interesting directions, which I did not foresee after reading the first issue, and I really am enjoying. It. I like the characters a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do too. I think. I think. And a lot, you know, it's one of those things like when they introduced magic, I was like, oh, I don't want that. But then it turned out to be science. Then it was like a time travel story. And I was like, all right. And it's all set up like all the pieces before it worked in that sense. So I thought that was it's it's been Gulliver. Huh? His name is Gulliver. Gulliver. Gulliver the Dragon Slayer. Again, uh, Giuseppe Camincoli is wonderful at a lot of things. Not a great dinosaur artist. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Not bad, but yeah, I did like I did, I did like the idea of dinosaurs being interpreted as dragons, though. I thought that was fun. Well, it's, makes yeah. you think, Ron. Makes you think. Yeah, it does. It really does. It's a thinker. <laughs> but this is this is fun. I mean, it's it's, it's action packed. It's funny. Characters are interesting. It's gone in interesting directions. Everybody's got fantastic beards. What more do you want? Sounds good. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying this immensely, and I was sad to see that the next issue, of 40, which is going to be forty pages, is going to be the last one because I, I would have, I, I could see this going on. You know, you know what this is? This would have been a bog standard Vertigo book yes. ten, fifteen years ago. Yep, Agreed. it's very much. I was like, oh, this is totally a Vertigo miniseries. This is. Yep. There is none of that anymore. So, also Batman number ten, Scott Snyder, Raphael Albuquerque is drawing this arc, and. Uh, I continue to enjoy this sort of Gonzo Batman, although this one he is much closer to, you know, your sort of traditional Batman. Although uh, it's taking place in Miami, and I'm enjoying Miami casual Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> There's a scene where he's he's like standing on on the, like a balcony, and he's got like a, you know, he's got no tie on. He's got a pocket square. His hair's a little bit longer. He looks like a drug lord. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I did. I did notice that. I did enjoy that as well too. Um, I uh, Raphael Albuquerque. I, th- I like his Batman. I think is great. It looks unlike anybody else's Batman, and it, it's it's funny because like he's somebody who in my head I have you know like his American Vampire work, some of his indie work, stuff like that. But to see him drawing Batman, even for me as a non Batman fan, um, is enjoyable. There's that one shot where he gets. Kind of pulled it out of the Batmobile, and it's from above. I would have put, put that as a panel of the week had we still been doing that yeah. that feature. It's just it's a great looking book, um, and it's a weird you know, they're the whole sequence in the middle where they they, they crash the baseball game, and which is all weird, but it's 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 fun. It's, it was really they, weird. I still I can't get my finger on this series. 
like I kind of always feel a little like I'm missing something. Yeah. Which at first yeah. I was kind of like cool with, but then as it's kept going on, I keep now I'm starting to feel like I really feel like I'm missing something, and I don't know if it's me. I I don't know that it, I don't know that it is you. I don't know. It's I, it's, it's a not, weird. It's like it's like Scott Snyder's Batman id run free. He doesn't. He's not constrained uh-huh. by. Even though this is nominally in continuity, because if they say it's not, people won't buy it. Um, it's not, he's not constrained by that. It's it's Batman who curses and Alfred gives people the finger and and people may say that's just gimmicky, but it's sort of it, it's all, the whole tone is like that and it's been up I and mean, down. Basically, his all star. I mean, it is all it is all star Batman. I guess it's just the same yeah. thing as when Frank Miller did. It just has a different flavor. Right. Right. Huh. It's interesting. I, I, I haven't liked every arc. I love the you, first arc, but I, this one I actually really enjoyed this issue quite a I'll bit. I'll tell you what I'd like to see. And I've been noticing, we were talking about this with Bendis before, and Bendis has sort of like artists that he does stuff with. And I'm starting I'm starting to like, I think it would be cool to start to see some sort of other people start to illustrate this stuff with Snyder. It's like really go out and get some sort of interesting new people. You, some people. you know what's funny? I agree with that, and I almost feel like Snyder's story is getting in the way of that. Maybe. You know, like like the idea of doing these, you know, like I would much rather see one, two, maybe three issue arcs at most. Yeah. Right? And, totally. and, he's, and he's done that a little. I mean, it started off, it started off for me to that felt like very, very long. But then we got that one or two jock and that yeah. maybe maybe yeah. they are doing that. But like, I'd rather tell, tell more condensed, less two, mysterious, more one action-y issue. kind of stories, you know. Tell you something, though, uh, the art on the backup, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Sebastian Fiumara, that's great. Yeah, yeah well, it was really good. Well, I got it. I was like, who is this? Well, interesting because the backup was written by Raphael Albuquerque and yeah. Raphael Scavone, uh, which I feel, you know, he's a real Scavone. He's a real Scavone. But um, <laughs> uh, interesting that that, I mean, is this the first backup not written by Snyder in this book? I think uh, so. Because before yeah. it was the uh, Snyder the nev- the and never ending, Frank Favia one. Yeah. yeah, the never ending boring one with the kid with the helmet. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I like the backup too. I mean, the first story is about my, he's there in Miami. They're fighting the, the descendants of pirates. Who? Why is that's cool? No one, does, no one can yeah. not think that's. Cool. And then, and then, then there's like the Russian Fight Club backup story, and uh, that's also cool. So I thought this was a fun issue. It's like, is Sebastian Fiamora somehow connected to Max Fiamora, who did the Four Eyes Dragons no story? No idea. No idea. Uh, it looks it's like Richard Corbin a little bit, and again, like a sort of Vertigo feel. It's great looking. I keep flipping through it. That guy needs to be on more books. If nothing else, this this series has had good artists. I mean, even if it's even yeah. if it's from his roster, yeah. his roster is deep. So, um, and I think he announced this week that he's he's quote unquote officially done with regular Batman stories after this. Snyder. Who is Snyder? What's a what Snyder? What? Accounts as a regular. Well, he's doing that. He's doing that metal book. That oh, okay. Event, that oh, thing. look at this. Confirmed that Max Fiamora is indeed brothers with Sebastian Fiamora. There you go. Yeah, there's a lot of talent in that family. Did you call their mom. How did no, you I just it? I found Max Fiamora's website, and he said that oh. uh, back in 2015, he said it'll be at New York Comic Con with my brother Sebastian. Huh. So. Um, would it so be like, weird if it was if there was no Sebastian? Just he put on a mustache and then just yeah. turned around and. So is, so is this the last All Star Batman then? This issue, no. Okay. No. No, because this is this is a, it ends on a cliffhanger. It's part two. Right. No. Me. No. I know. But is he ending? Are they ending All Star Batman so he can work on metal or what? 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 what you well, say? this was always going to end. This was always going to be a. I think a this 12. was always a twelve issue Both thing. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's. I think it ends with a. Uh, what's his name? Uh, from the Joker. No, no. The 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 guy who drew Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool. Yeah, Deadpool for sure. It ends with Deadpool. It ends with a guy who drew the the, the, the sci-fi story you did. Sean we love Murphy? Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy, yes, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, you can literally hear us getting older as you listen to these podcasts. Well, no, like, you know what? Uh, it's a real thing. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the book. When I say I'm lost, like, I just, I'm like, oh, wait, what happened with this? They're all, there's so many books and they're coming out bi-weekly and, and do it with, like. I, I, I think it's less oldie. Oldie. Okay. Wow. Maybe it is oldie. I think it's Josh is right. It's more the fact that these books are coming out twice a week, and there's just so much to keep track of now. Yeah, yeah. So also, we're a little, little bit oldie. A little bit oldie. A, a little of that. Yeah. Also, well, I, I just like I Josh prioritize what I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got four hours. speaking of all that, um, I wasn't going to read Rocket Number One from Marvel, right? Because I'm a little, I'm a little Guardians out these days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, even though Guardians of the Galaxy was good, I just think the individual series are a little lacking. You know, I kind of enjoyed Matt Rosenberg's Rocket Raccoon, the group, you know, like it's whatever. Yeah. And and then I saw it, it's like, oh, writer Al Ewing, who I'm hit or miss on, and and then it's uh, Rocket on a wacky caper, you know, kind of, you know, like, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't need to see another thing. And then I looked at it, and I looked at the cover, and I went, is that TechNet? And then I went. I read the book, and then as I'm reading the book, it does for about half the book. It's the say whether you like it or not. Prose accompanied by one image on a page, or or two images with a lot of prose on the left, like telling kind of like a noirish kind of crime story. And I was like, oh, whatever. But then I got to the middle of the book, and sure enough, Rocket enlists TechNet, which leave it to Al Ewing, one of the Brits who you know British writers. Uh, TechNet was a, a group of mercenaries that were first uh, introduced in the pages of Excalibur uh, in the first 10 issues of Excalibur. It's an old Chris Claremont, Alan Davis creation. And I was just like, oh, wow. What, what world do they roll out these characters for? Um, okay, so this makes a lot more sense because you kept saying the word TechNet over and over again, and yeah. I was like, I don't know what those, that word means. And exactly. you kept saying like, like we should know what it means, but I had no idea what TechNet means, and I just was letting you go with it. Well, listen, for for the listeners who are Alan or, or Chris, Chris Claremont, Alan Davis, maybe Alan Moore, Excalibur fans, uh, TechNet means a lot to us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All six and, of you? Yeah, and it's, and it's like, and it's, uh, so I've got I've to applaud Al Ewing for bringing TechNet back to the fore. Uh, because they were one of those uh, wacky British Marvel creations that I don't feel as if gets enough love. Uh, and whether or not I want to see them all in black suits with red shirts matching Rocket as they go on a color-coordinated caper, um, it was cool to see these characters again. So, so I, it was a, a very weird emotional roller coaster with reading this book. But uh, <laughs> so is listening to you talk about it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Listen, TechNut's important. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I think the fact that he's in there, in fact, indicates the opposite. Yeah. Like, you're like, well, why are they bringing these people up? And I was like, because nobody cares. Nobody cares. So that's, that's, People who so- are buying this book either care, and there's 45 of you, or they go, Rocket's on the cover, and they buy it, and they don't care what's in it. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say, the, 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 the thousands of people who are going to buy this book are buying it for Rocket Raccoon, and I find it very funny that Al Ewing then chose to expose them to TechNet, which is just like... <laughs> So say what you will, but I, I enjoy. I ended up enjoying it after after a while. And Adam Gorham's art, I did enjoy, but um, I could have done less with less with a little of the noir prose approach and, and and more sequentials. But but that's just me. Are you sticking with it? Um, I will stick with it. It looks like it's a mini. So. Okay. Hey, if you're out there and you want to help iFanboy, you want to keep the show going, you want to support the show, you can go to iFanboy.com slash support. You can use our Amazon link there. That means anything you buy on Amazon and any of your regular shopping, we get a piece of that. doesn't come out of your pocket. comes out of Jeff Bezos' giant pockets, which are all over his pants. He's got those pants that have lots of pockets in them. That's what people don't realize. You usually only see Jeff Bezos from the waist up, but from the waist down, he's wearing complete cargo pants. Just pockets. Yep. It's all pockets. They call them pockets Bezos. Super, Super efficient. You can also, on that page, directly donate via PayPal button. So if you're an eccentric billionaire and you want to do something nuts, you want to one-up your other eccentric billionaire buddies, go get this. Oh, yeah? Look at this stupid thing I did with my money. Yeah, feel free. (laughs) PayPal button over at ifanboy.com slash support. Also, if you want to become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy first, you get all that cool stuff like getting your own damn stupid superpower, which will give the end of the show, but also... You get to hang out on our Hangouts. Our next patron Hangout is happening Monday, May 22nd at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So if you, you want to do the last time we did a Hangout, we had a really interesting discussion about, about – we went a deep dive in on the state of talent in the industry. We took a lead from that discussion that Josh and Ron had on one of the shows, and we went deep on it for almost an hour. Yeah. It was very interesting. Um, so that kind of thing happens at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Also, if you join up, you can, you can watch all those old Hangouts. They're all archived there. T-shirts are launching this week, so we've been talking for a while. Our last patron goal we hit, the T-shirt store, is launching this very week. We were tweaking one of the colors and the designs, but we have it where we want it to be, and now we're launching the store. So you can look forward to that. And again, patrons got an early look at those new T-shirts at the last hangout. And finally, we're changing our patron goal. We are less than $600 away from our next goal, which is to do a monthly non-comics media podcast. uh, Because the last goal of live streaming this show every week would have destroyed us. (laughs) Um, so if you want to listen to a non-comics podcast like the, the, these two jerks did the T2 po- Transpotting show without me, you can uh, 
you can become a patron guest to the next goal. So patreon.com slash fanboy, fanboy.com slash support. Thank you for everybody who goes there. All right. Um, so moving on, Deadpool number 30 uh, completely cracked me up with this issue. Uh, <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of go in and out of Deadpool. And uh, I, did, I started reading this before I realized it was an 80-page giant. <laughs> so it's an 80-page <laughs> oh, 30th issue anniversary issue. Um, but I'll give Jerry Duggan credit. He's fucking hysterical. Um, he's very funny. He's very, very. There were numerous points in this book where I laughed out loud, but probably the one that made me laugh out loud the most was basically so De- Deadpool goes into space, and first he lands on the moon and he finds the Watcher's grave and he cuts his way into the Watcher's you know kind of old former um, you know house and he's and he's narrating and he says how the Watcher you know watched and saw everything and there's a bunch of paintings of like Nixon meeting Elvis with the Watcher in the window, and <laughs> Michael Jackson holding the baby outside the the, the balcony. Right. And the watch is just there on the edge of the balcony like that. <laughs> it, was, it was just very funny. Like I, I literally like maybe every five or so pages made me laugh out loud. But the high point was when he um, ends up on another planet and he's asking somebody where he can find work. And uh, Alien says, uh, you should go to nowhere. And we proceed to get a four-page Abbott and Costello routine about nowhere. Oh, I see. Four pages. So where do I go? <laughs> go nowhere. <laughs> and it's a real place nowhere? Certainly. The place I gotta go. That's right. <laughs> tell him nowhere. All I'm trying to do is find out where to go. Nowhere. So tell me where to go. Nowhere. Like it just, <laughs> And then he goes, say nowhere again. <laughs> say it one more time. <laughs> oh, so good job, Jerry Duggan. Applause. And there's a nice little note. Uh, another mention of the Nova Corps. Uh, here as uh, Scott Adsit joins the Nova Corps. Hmm. Yeah. Lovely. So uh, similarly to why you decided to read Rocket, um, I was looking through the comics this week and I saw Uncanny Avengers number 23. I was like, hey, look, that's Wonder Man. Yeah. Shooting out of the body of Rogue. I was like, I don't know why that's happening. So I picked it up and I read it and I was like, oh, this is like the last issue of this. (laughs) It's completely over. (laughs) But I was like, I was like, maybe I'll be interested in Wonder Man. And they, you know, it was like a resetting, like, like sort of the, I guess it's over. But it was kind of fun to read. And I was like, I bet this was pretty good. There's a lot of cable stuff I didn't quite understand. And it took place inside his head. But in the end, uh, Wonder Man's out there. And Deadpool spent all his money. I, I, yeah, in Deadpool 30, Scott Adsit is, is selling off his stuff, like, from the, from the yeah. former headquarters. Um, I like the idea of picking up the 23rd issue in a comic that you've never read before. So I, I right? applaud you for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing that bugged me, though, is at the end of it, like, they're basically leading into what is Secret uh, Empire. Yeah. You know, because they, every time they show yeah, everything in that yeah. suit, it makes me think about it. And, and I, I don't like that. Yeah. That's what I decided this week. Like, as a miniseries, as a other thing that's happening, fine. It's kind of interesting. But if that's, like, everything is tied into, I could take a, pa- I could take a flyer on that. Welcome to 2009. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, yep. and, and I, I don't think I realized it, but as it sort of intruded on this, because I was like, "All right, Wonder Man, I'm going to read some Marvel," you know. Yeah. And then at the end, I was like, "No, no, it's it's going to be that too." Because I even I read uh, the Secret, whatever the one with the Shield Agents was. Secret too. Warriors. Yeah, that one, which I'd never read, but I was like, "I'll try it," and I was, I don't, I, I don't know, it's not doing anything for me. Yeah. Even Actually, more so than other things that didn't do anything for me. <laughs> Actually, Comics nine seventy nine. I only wanted to mention because. In this issue, Lois and Clark decide to move back to the city from wherever in the sticks they've been living this whole time. I know where you're going with this. And uh, they're they're buying a giant duplex with a giant balcony. I guess her book sales are pretty good. On two reporter salaries. <laughs> I, I really, I honestly tried not to have that thought because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> then they kept yeah. going through with it and I was like, you know what? That's the least, actually, it's the most unbelievable thing in the book, actually. Right. Not okay. the fact that there's a Kryptonian who can fly. It's the, this this apartment that they spend one, two, three pages walking through. That's how big it is. And they go up and downstairs, and there's a giant balcony. Well, good for them. Life is good for them. All right. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> Superman skimming? Is, is I, something's going on. Like, somebody, like, he's coming up with, like, he's patenting Kryptonian shit. Maybe. Making money I like the idea of, of skimming. Like he's he's selling papers and he's charging thirty five <laughs> cents, but they only cost twenty five. Is um, that a built in piano? I don't know. I don't know. You know what I'm that. talking about? A built in yeah, piano. Know. 
Like it's, I don't know. It's this thing that sticks out of the wall that kind of looks like a piano, but it's like a foot off the floor. It's like a piano Murphy bed. Weird. There's no yeah. need for a Murphy bed in this place. You can play <laughs> basketball in there. You can play basketball on the balcony. Yeah, and not and no one would be disturbed in the other room. Yeah, what is that? No, that's that's a fireplace. Ain't no fireplace I ever heard of. That looks like a gas fireplace. Who gets All a right. gas fireplace? Oh, jeez. Anyway. Yeah, that doesn't seem it's like nice, it's some nice out there, weird. It's a nice That's a weird drawing. <laughs> and then it also looks like a high rise, and they get outside, and it's just a brownstone. Yeah. Did you notice that? I didn't even catch that part. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're right. They walk outside. I mean, it's a, like a big, uh, more like a Dakota type of building, I it's, guess. Yeah, it looks like a, but they walk. Yeah, but, it's so, but the ground floor looks like a brownstone. And then as you look up, it's like a it's like a big, you know, Central Park West building. There's also a weird part where when he runs off to save the day and he, he makes a point of saying that the world doesn't need to know I'm married. Yeah. Whoa. Also, his cape is tucked in. Anyway, um, tucked into his can pants, I can I, I know. Can I just point out one thing? And I know they didn't put it on the list or anything. And it, this is this short. The new Superman issue this week, the, the Chinese Superman, yeah. was great. It was great. It was really good. Really great. Yeah. I, I don't want to I talk f- about it in any other way. I forgot to mention that, it was, uh, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just like noticed it. I was like, all right, that was awesome. Like yeah. That would have maybe been a pick of the week. It was really fun. Yeah. So it's been a while, Josh, but yeah. why, don't, why don't you come here? Let's go to the other side of the room and let's sit down in Star Wars Corner. Well, if, if we're in Superman's house, I won't even hear you talking. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> just get that weird ass and whatever that is. So, like so Star Wars, The Screaming Citadel, number one, came out this week. Josh, what did you think of it? I looked at it. I thought, I don't know about that. I thought, oh, it's more Kieran Gillen. We get to spend time with Dr. Afra. And look, it's Luke Skywalker. Yes. And this is in his, in his, yellow, in his yellow adventuring jacket. Um, or metal jacket, however you want to go. <laughs> um, this is one of those ones that you have to say, all right, I'm going to just ignore the fact that none of this should have happened. <laughs> and and take these interesting characters that Garen Gillen has and match them up with Luke Skywalker at this phase. Yeah. And let's see what happens. And under those circumstances, it was fun. I yeah. mean, it's what, like what happens in it that should not have happened. Well, so so basically, Luke. So so this is where I want to. Okay, this is where the I'm, I become the continuity wonk. But where we left off, Luke, he's in his spaceship flying to go rescue C three PO and R two. And the last story arc in Star Wars was all was all the stupid Yoda climbed up a mountain story, and Luke actually never found C three PO and R two. And now this picks up with Luke landing in the outer rim at a bar and running into Doctor Aphra, and then going off on an adventure with her, and I'm having I, a fight in the bar, and having a fight in the bar, and then going to a weird uh, auction to this weird woman who wants to feed on Jedi's or whatever, where we may have seen Watto, or if not Watto, at least another Troidarian. A Troidarian. Yep. Um, ah, Republic credits, but uh, <laughs> no man, no man, no man. <laughs> it was not like, like this. This should have. I should have flung this across the room. You should have. But I was like, he just doesn't care, and yes. I kind of like that. And I, I like Afra and BT and whoever yeah. the the and and black the, mur- the murder droids, murder droids. Yeah, the murder droids and the and the Wookiee who's only there because he owes her money, but he does everything she wants. Mm. Well, here, here, here's my, my only complaint about this is that the villain, this queen, this queen woman who wants to feed on the Jedi, it starts to maneuver a little into Red Lantern imagery. It's more like it feels like it was a vampire story, basically. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, Dracula yeah. in space. Yeah, yeah. But whatever, it's got and Luke and Leia and Asana are in it, and so you mm-hmm. know, I, it, I think this could be fun. But I think you're right; it's got to be a uh, this doesn't matter, and just have fun with it. Which yeah, is, and, and that's what you should like, do anyway. So yeah, yeah. If he was a if he was a less interesting writer, yeah, then it would it would fall apart very quickly. Yep. Okay, and then uh, you, the patrons, the supporters of iFanboy, as Connor mentioned earlier, you can support us at Patreon.com/iFanboy. Every week, patrons can vote on a book, and this week, a uh, huge response for the latest young animal title, Bug: The Adventures of Forager, number one. Uh, story and art by Lee Allred and Mike Allred, colored by Laura Allred. Uh, what did you guys think of Bug, the Adventure of the Forager? It was funny because in the, I opened it up and uh, on the first page I said, oh, I haven't thought about Foragers since Cosmic Odyssey. Yeah. And then you we love immediately... Co- and, you, and you love Cosmic Odyssey. And I love it. And then we immediately go into a flashback to Cosmic Odyssey uh, on the first page. Yep. 
And then uh, we have a very bizarre story that seems to be taking place firmly in the old DCU. Yes. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. If you like Mike Allred and Madman, and you've yeah. never read DC Comics, this is the book for you. <laughs> because this is a very Mike Allred book. And I'm a Mike Allred fan, so I'm totally okay with that. Uh, but this, as much as this was steeped in DC lore, I think this is just as steeped in Allred, Allredness. You know? It's definitely very punny, like those Allred books are. Yep. Um, lots of jokey references to movies. I'm very curious what Josh thought of this. I read it twice. Well, not quite twice, but I fell asleep the one time. Well, that's your own fault. And then I came back to read it later, and I was like, I don't remember any of this. And I was like, oh, it's because it was all a dream sequence. And I have no <laughs> idea what any of this is about. Please, <laughs> please make it stop. When is this thing over? Oh, God, thank God it's over. <laughs> that's the review you can put on the front. Oh, thank <laughs> God it's over, Josh Planning and iFanboy.com. That's what I expected. It, um, it's, it's not, it's, it's not even like not bad i just well it's a oh, I, I think it. it's a double whammy i think it's a double whammy of yeah. of of characters or world i mean like i i mean i'm sure you've read cosmic odyssey and and i and meanwhile okay, like, like you do like the new gods because of the kirby connection yep. but i feel like yep. this is deep new gods right Th- and that and, and i just i don't have enough of it to appreciate what was happening i guess right. yeah and, I, then, and there was there was one little bit in the middle actually uh where they were talking about uh, Camus and how to re- and what a re- rebel is and and what yeah. that means and I thought it was like in that little bit it was like two pages and I was like that was really smart and interesting yep. but it was surrounded in all that other dreamscape <laughs> stuff yeah yeah I fall I fall in the middle I mean I really I, I enjoyed it but it, it was a, it was at times a, a tough right read I, I loved it I love that because I love all red I, I, this is this you know is, and yeah. and see that's my my thing like I'm not a big all red fan. But I want to understand it. I want to appreciate it and like it. Like enough people that I respect, like think it's really good, and so I'm I'm trying. Are you, you talking know, about the writing or the art or both? The the art more than anything. Like that's so fascinating. Oh, the art. I, I know. You think that he'll be right up your alley. Yeah, I know. That's why I had to try. But like, there's something about it. Well, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's my one thing about it is that there's a lot packed into a lot of these pages. Sure. And and comparing this to Silver to his work on Silver Surfer, which also an issue came out this week, I feel like Silver Surfer has got more room to breathe. Yeah, this, like, this was this was dense. Like I feel like this was a little overwritten, um, yeah. and and I don't know if that's a, by nature of him working with his brother Lee or and not working with a writer in quotes like Dan Slott. Um, you, <laughs> know, I, I, you know, but but I'm just saying like, and that that was one of my complaints with Mad Men is that sometimes it like Mad Men was at its best when he had room to breathe and showed more than telling, and this was doing a lot of telling. Yeah, and I don't know if that was intentional. Like, yeah, uh, very little communicating. Yeah, like a throwback thing or not, but who knows? All it right, well, feel, there was, I think there was something of that like sort of wacky old fourth world, you know, that isn't entirely clear. Which yeah. I guess is an aesthetic choice, but not necessarily. And I feel like we should, we should, we should clarify that it was Mad Man. Mad Man, yeah. not Mad Men. Ma- I always, I always do that. I'm sorry, Asgard. Because right. if he did a Mad Men book, that would be amazing. Five stars. You don't like the title? Change the conversation. What would you? Ha- a Mad Mad Men comic book drawn by Phil Noto with cover? I mean, covers by Phil Noto drawn by Mike Allred. Five stars would bang again. Five stars, absolutely would bang. <laughs> All right, ratings, ratings, ratings. Connor. I'm going to give it a four. Um, Stories three of the arts of five, so it averages to four. Okay. Josh? Three? All right. And not for me, three. I'm going to give it. <laughs> well, who are you ready for, Ron? I just like it. I'm not, I, I want to, I don't think it's bad. I just, right. like, it's not for you. For, what is it for you? What is your rating? Um, I'm looking at it. Give from... it a two. It's okay. I don't want. It's not bad. It's not like objectively like, oh, these people had no skill. It was, you know, these people were like, we, you could make a beautiful cheese dish. I'm not gonna like it. Right. The pa- the page of him with all the dominoes, with all the characters on the dominoes. Come yeah, on. There, there was there was there were really impressive things in it, but yeah. cohesively. But some people like that more than than you know. The OMAC do- domino. Come on. Um, I <laughs> I give it a f- solid four. I mean. The, I, I'm left with the question, though. Again, I, I'm asking this all the time. Like, you've got a publishing industry that's struggling to sell books. Who the fuck is this for? Yeah. 
how many people are going to buy this? I think we should give you a weekly segment in which you ask that question. <laughs> who the, who the basically fuck is this are. <laughs> well, no, like, 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 how much, how much, attra- uh, how attractive is it to bring in um, my chemical romance guy and be like, just do whatever you want, spend as much money as you can, like, and and like, wh- I don't know how this business decision makes makes sense yeah. when there's nothing going on at Vertigo. That thing's been gutted, and right. then there's this. I, I don't understand. Neither do I. It seems like an odd use of resources, and like it's the same thing that keeps happening. You've got all these people right here. Do something with them. Yeah. Oh well. All right. Uh, Sticking with the it. Master of Horror right next to you. <laughs> Sticking with it, Connor. Uh, yes, I'm going to stick with it. Josh. No. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, so thank you, patrons. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can sign up. Anybody who, pay, who becomes a patron can vote every week. All member, all patrons can vote. So please go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. Get involved. And if you sign up at a patron level of $5 or higher, you get your own special superpower, uh, which is the, the real, what keeps the people coming back. Uh, and so, Josh, lead us off. Alan David Muir. Alan David Muir. Uh, his head is two times the size of a normal head. It's twice yeah. as dense. Twice as dense. Twice as dense and twice as large. Is he twice as smart? The brain is in there, and it is also larger. So there, if if nothing else, there are more there are more synaptic connections. So theoretically, I think he would have to be smarter. Is he like is I, he like Hector Hammond? I suppose is that exactly two times as large? I don't know. I don't know the exact the proportion. Well, head, that's what's head, happening here. His head is pretty big, though. Yeah. How does he get in shirts? It's not always a cakewalk for this kind of thing. <laughs> I just, of, want, I just, I'm not trying to poke a hole in your theory. I'm just, I'm just feeling bad for the guy. He can't wear a t-shirt ever. A lot of, lot of tank tops and button downs. Wow. Yeah. All right. Because that you got, you do what you got to do. Don't even ask about hats. His head is two times as large. He's, there's no hats he can get. He'd have to have well, custom he make, hats. Yeah, he'd have no custom hats. Yeah, yeah. Well, a regular go, size he, custom he hat. Hat, is haterdashery. Very a haterdashery. I guess. Oh. All right. Cool. Hoods. You know, there's there's drawbacks, but at the same time, you know, he could smash something with it if he wanted to. He's got to live in a warm I would just like to yeah. get some clarification. This is the one that you had prepared before the show. Yeah, I just I wrote Excellent. two times large head. Excellent. Okay. And then Can't when I said it. When I said it, I extrapolated. All right, fair <laughs> enough. All right, next up, we want to thank James Burton, uh, who can level things perfectly. <laughs> he's got a he's got an amazing sense of balance, and he can he can hang a shelf and he can level it. He can hang a painting, make sure it's level. Everything's le- he's the leveler. He's the leveler. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> level. Level. All right. Uh, according to the ground, or the because sometimes you'll get like a crooked the, angle in the house. The horizon. No, the the appropriate leveling that needs to occur for the placement in attuned with the horizon. Wow. So, Luke Bat, uh, were he an X-Men, and maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, he would hang out with Storm a lot because he he can he can create weather, but only directly over his head and very small. Okay, just really localized weather patterns. Right, so he could make a, a thunderstorm, but it's a very small cartoonish thunderstorm above his head. Like he's having a bad day in a, yes. in a comic strip? Yes. <laughs> Can right. he make it rain? Yes, but only on him. All right. <laughs> David Crone has calming pheromones. Ooh. If you're near Ooh, him, good. Well done. So he's yeah, like, he redu- he's, he's like Gambit was originally, but instead of attraction, he calms. That's I like yeah, that. No, he's like he's like the Purple Man, but he reduces anxiety. That's great. That's yeah. a good one. That's, that's actually a good, a good one. one. And that's yeah. and just to clarify, that's the one you did not have prepared. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote that in the last minute. Well done, Josh. Inspired. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So go to Patreon.com/slash/fanboy. You can get your own powers. Uh, everybody wants one. So make sure you get one. Uh, let's move on. To Sorry, the- Alan, but you welcome David. <laughs> let's move on to the email. Josh, why don't you take it away with the first email? Kevin of Fairfax, Virginia said, I just watched Batman and Bill and cried a lot. And I was thinking about if they may, if they ever make a movie about any of many comic book creators who didn't get the credit they deserve or just a true story of any creator, what writer, director, would, writer or director would you want on it? And what story 
maybe David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin do a movie about Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's relationship from the 40s to the 60s in the vein of Marvel Comics' The Untold Story. Maybe a casting if you're feeling inspired. Also, how do you think this would affect the mass audience and how they view these characters? <laughs> it's almost impossible to ask, answer the second question. There's a lot there. I I don't know how it affects. I mean, I think I think that there's definitely a historical, you know, similar to like the Aviator or like these real people that you know the Howard Hughes story or whatever. These really you know you know fantastic tales of what really existed. I think that the allure of the '40s and '60s comic scene or you know would be interesting. I'm more interested if you want to go for the ta- Marvel, the Untold Story. Talk about the late seventies, eighties. Oh, I was going to say the early seventies. Well, yeah, like the I, I was going to say seventies. Yeah. The set, yeah, the seventies, and, and you've got either you've got Stanley out in Hollywood hawking this stuff, and keep in mind that's the that's the time period when Stan took the naked centerfold picture <laughs> with the with the issue of the Hulk in front of his stuff. Um, but then you've also got Crazy Jim Shooter. Right, there's a lot. There's a lot to mine from those '70s, '80s. I also think there's a lot to mine from the '50s, which I'm surprised that the uh, the whole uh, seduction of the innocent stuff hasn't been made into a historical movie. So, my question, real quick: Batman and Bill. I saw that was the thing that came out. I thought that was a documentary. Is that not a documentary? It is. Yes. Oh, okay. So that the premise of this question was somewhat flawed to me. Then. Well, well no. he just he just he just, he just moved on from from a okay, that's documentary fine. to a, that's a fictional story. Yeah. I want to veto the part when we ask about the filmmaker yeah just because yeah yeah it's hard because that's that's so pigeonholing and like you and he already went to sorkin which is like the uh, oh yeah imagine stan walking around the office and and doing walking talks with jack i mean yes that would be great i mean he would he would do a great job yes he would um i mean the stan and jack story would be sort of the the most interesting one to do but i think the problem with any of these the challenge i guess is that it's not like closure on most of these stories. You know, they they die, and then no one got what they want until their relatives sue the company. However, many dozens of years later. Well, that's I mean that's kind of closure then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in a sense. Um, but I, I think I, don't know. I think that's the. I mean, it's it is cliche, but it is the most interesting story you could tell. I think is the rise of Marvel that and the relationship between the two of them because you have all these characters people love now. Yeah, and that's why it's important. By these two middle-aged guys, um, yeah. and and their relationship and how it how it faltered. And I, but I also think you can just do Kirby's life because he fought in the war and he grew up in the upper on the Lower East Side, and it was that was yeah. interesting. And he had a really interesting life, and he didn't become a big deal until he was middle-aged. And what is and then and then it all and, fell apart for him. I think it's a, that's a very interesting story arc. And also, I mean, I, the thing is, I'm seeing that I, I, it's it's not a big movie that everyone would see. It's more like. Uh, um, the American Splendor kind of thing. Like, yeah. that's what it would end up as. And, I mean, but the thing was, like, Kirby also, Kirby's super interesting because he wasn't, like, he's not without fault in any of this. Like, he made decisions. He, well, I, I think I think that you could actually go bigger than American Splendor if you, sure. if you, if you paint it as the guy who made Captain America. Well, I, no, I mean, like, in that sense, you know, somewhere between Jack, Jack, Lee, Jack, Kirby, and Stan Lee is, is you know, an Elvis Presley level uh, for pop culture. Yeah. I mean, in sort of like the creation point of of where pop culture is right now. Yeah. yeah what if pop- Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum played them? <laughs> directed by uh, by Lord and Miller. Yeah. What if we did that? No, not silly. By Brett Ratner. <laughs> All right. I think well, that's I think that's like the only one you could do that would might be interesting to the mass audience. I, I still think the Seduction of the Innocent one is is interesting. Is, is like, I, I think that's like a, a quiz, real- like a quiz show level interesting. You know, like that kind of. Time yeah, what is what is the story in there other than that happened? And then well, it, it destroyed over. people's careers. You've got yeah. Bill Gaines in there. You've got you know all the artists in the fifties who had to, you know, do something else or do porno comics on the side because that's how they could survive. If you look at what happened to you know Schuster's career after that, you know it it. It's a, let me it, tell you. It, let me tell you. It's a hell of it's a hell of text at the end of the movie. Yeah, it's a long yeah, scrolling. It's a text. long like you know, like yeah. <laughs> Marie Severin went on to you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There, I think there's absolutely a story there, and, and I'm sure, like, however you, you know, the characters of, you know, William Gaines, the character of Dr. Um, what's his name? I can't Shibago? think of it. No, the Frederick guy. Dr. No, Frederick Dr. No. Frederick Wortham. Yes, Wortham. Yeah. You know, like, all that stuff and, and why they would do it, you know, and, and you take the idea of how big comic books were. Yep. 
is part of culture. I mean, and then what what happened afterwards? You got a little bit of Mad Magazine in there. You got there's a, there's a lot to you know there's a lot to to, to do. I, I think that's a good subject. So it's it is. I yeah. agree with you. Great question, Kevin. Uh, thank you. Uh, and we got a voicemail. Uh, Rashad's got a question that's uh, mainly for me. Oh, imagine that. Hey, how's it going? This is Rashad down in Florida. Uh, I've been thinking about this since Rogue went through the siege perilous and was banging Magneto down in the Savage Land. Uh, back in the day, uh, the X-Men could not be seen by electronic devices uh, so they couldn't show up on camcorders or your security video or anything like that i can't remember if it was a spell or something probably some crazy shit but uh do they still have that uh was it just uh written out or is it just a dropped plot line like luke cage's scroll baby uh anyway thanks a lot peace I think this guy's great. Is that what happens when you, go, you live in Florida? You just, you're just I, chill? I was delighted to find out that people still think like this. <laughs> I, I am going to, if I ever have to say Siege Perilous again. <laughs> Siege Perilous. Um, no, per, I, I, it's fantastic. Siege Perilous. Um, yeah, no, I, I know the answer to this, but it's less about more like this going back to, this is a nice little bookend of the pick of the week about what makes the X-Men comics work. It's shit like this. <laughs> right i mean it's just like wait a minute what was that really wacky thing that just they never went back to right and you don't get that anymore in comics these days <laughs> so you know that what? was a I thing just, i don't I, remember them being yeah so, ba- to electronic so, surveillance. so basically what happened was is that after the fall of the mutants and the and and when the x-men supposedly quote-unquote died in front of everybody in dallas um roma cast a spell on all the X-Men to make them uh, undetectable to cameras or electronic devices. And basically it was this whole ruse that the X-Men were dead. And that's why, and that's when they went down to Australia, they were hiding out in Australia, and it was, you know, actually a really clever idea. And then, and then how it was handled in the comics was that once their time in Australia ended and they went through the Siege Perilous, then the, the effects of the spell wore off. Um, now that said, Dazzler and uh, somebody else too, Wolverine and Storm never went through the Siege Perilous, and so w- then all of a sudden they appear on screens and it, it stops working. And the explanation for that is because the spell wore off once everyone found out that they were still alive, which everyone found out during the Extinction Agenda because they were on TV and this whole it was a big thing and it was a bit very public thing. Regardless, it's one of those in between the panels things that just never got addressed in the comics, and I just love it. I love it. You know what I just realized my secret power is? What? I completely fade out when people start talking about it. I just realized, like, when I listened to the voicemail, I was listening to his voice because I was like, your voice and accent are really interesting. And then I was like, I have no idea what he said. And then I was thinking about that when you started talking, and I realized I didn't listen to a thing that you just said either. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not voluntary. It totally was like, this is the time period of the X Men, like X Men two, like two hundred to like two seventy. That is just a golden age of just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. You know what's funny is that that's when I tried to start reading X Men two forty ish. I think that's what I loved. So, and I was like, I what the hell is any of this? (laughs) Anyway. Thank you, Rashad, for that uh, voicemail. You can get on the show by emailing us at contact.ifanboy.com. Either email us your text or send in a voicemail like Rashad did. Uh, Be sure to include your name, where you're from, and how long you've been thinking about the question. Uh, And thanks for uh, checking in with us. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. A couple of things to make sure you want to, you don't want to miss out on. If you go back in the iFanboy feed, you can see last week we released uh, our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 podcast where Connor and I talked about how we didn't like it. Um, <laughs> I, I, and it's not that I didn't dislike it. It's just that I was, un, I was, I was unsatisfied by it. Uh, you, were, you, were, you were positive on it. I was positive. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. Let's just say that. So. All right. uh, it's but, funny because I watched the first one with my kids that day that you guys went to do that, and I was like, that was really good, and I was kind of looking forward to it, but now... Well, if you like the first one, you'll like the second yeah, one. Yeah, Josh, I want you to go see it. And I'm, I'm going to see it. Yeah, because I would really like to talk to you about it, because my, my, my issues with it are like deep in story, and I think that's uh, where you do well. So, yeah. Okay. So. Well, your right. issues are correct, Ron. There is no story. Anyway, exactly. Uh, I know we're... We don't have it on here, but people keep asking, uh, Ron, how are you doing with Iron Fist? 
I, I, I got, I got, I put a big dent in it and then I hit a wall. So I'm going to be back at it this weekend. So <laughs> you finished. It's basically all wall. You finished now, right? I finished it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I waiting. should be able to Everyone's make a big, for you. I should be able to make a big dent in it this weekend. So hopefully soon. So. All right. So also we got a book explode coming. Uh, one of the patron goals that got unlocked was our monthly, either book explode or talk explode. Our book explode is our book review show. We're going to be talking about roughneck from Jeff Lemire, the new original graphic novel. It's a hefty, hefty book. I'm holding it in my hands right now. And uh, that'll be coming to you soon. We're recording it very shortly, and it'll probably be out in a couple of weeks, that show. And, of course, uh, another part of the whole patron thing is the patron hangout. So if those of you who are contributing um, like to plan ahead on May 22nd, Monday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, we'll be doing our next patron hangout, uh, which is conveniently located in the month that is associated with Yes. Yeah. And we're giving you lots of time to plan ahead for it this time. So there you go. Yeah. So write some questions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> or don't and watch what happens. That could also be interesting. Head over to ifanboy.com where you can find all our other podcasts. You find the Guardians of the Galaxy podcast and all the other previous episodes. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media so you don't miss out on anything, go to facebook.com slash ifanboy. Give us a like or follow at ifanboy on Twitter. And, and that's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out if you want to be in on it. And of course, you can follow us individually for nonsense and food photos and narcissism at J.A. Flanagan, at RonXO, and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show, please write a review on iTunes or just leave a star rating. Better than that is to tell your friends about it. If you've got a friend who listens, who reads comics and doesn't listen to my fanboy, tell them to check it out. Why not? It can't hurt them. It's not going to hurt them. They might not like it. This is an hour out of their long life. <laughs> of many hours. So do that. And uh, last week, Josh told people to say if they were still listening to this part of the show. And only about four or five did, and makes me, makes me, makes me concerned that only four or five people are actually listening. So here's what I want to do now. I, I had a lot of people actually tell me directly. Oh, Con- right. well, still, but even then, it looked 10. I want everyone who's still listening to either tweet at us or Instagram, which means you'll have to tag us individually, or on our Facebook page, a picture of Dr. Fraser Crane, and I want you to say I'm listening. All right. <laughs> There, there's your mission. Okay. That's I wonder if you made the barrier of entry a little too high. Nope. Nope. That's perfect. A GIF, Connor, is a GIF acceptable? GIF, GIF is also acceptable. It has to be Dr. Fraser Crane, though. Okay. Any era, yes. though. I like that's what say, I like. Any yeah. era, but it has to say I'm listening in the, in the, uh, in the post. Okay. It should frankly be your favorite era of Dr. Fraser Crane. And it, can, <laughs> we both, can we all weigh in right now on your favorite era of Dr. Fraser Crane? Bearded cheers. Agreed. Bearded cheers. That late, late, late yep. era, like yes. the after yep. Diane left him cheers. Yep. Yes. Bearded cheers. Yep. I was going to say the same thing. That's surprising. And that's why we're together. <laughs> cool. It's I the know. best era. All right. Well, there's your homework. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. He had just become another drunk at the bar at that point. <laughs> yep. I lo- he was defeated. <laughs> that's great. <laughs>